We, uh, you got my on here? Make sure, okay. We had a, had some, over the last couple of years, uh, people have found a lot of things to argue about. I don't know if that's news to you or not. I imagine it's not. Uh, but over the past couple of years, people have found uh, new places to argue as well, uh, new ways to argue, new things to argue about. Um, we've had people that, that used to be at Northwest uh, that aren't here anymore because they saw things posted on Facebook that made them not comfortable being here. Um, just real conversation here. And that's not unique to Northwest. Uh, in fact, that's going on all across Christianity as people say, I, I don't know how I can call brother or sister people who disagree with me so much as the things I see them putting on, on the internet, on social media. Uh, and so we get into uh, all kinds of, of problems. This was so significant that a year or so ago, the Christian Chronicle, a Church of Christ newspaper, uh, put together a, a webinar series. And in this series, uh, they were, oh, I'm definitely on now. <laughs> Come down, just there we go. Um, so in this series, they got together and they got several people who think a lot about social media and the internet and how Christians should interact with one another and the world on it. And one of the people was used to be a member here at Northwest, Blake Jackson, and he said something that I think is really helpful when we think about how should Christians behave on social media and the internet. Uh, and Blake pointed out that it, it, the first thing you really have to understand. Uh, is what kind of a conversation you're having when you post something on Twitter or Facebook or, or any kind of social media platform. And if you hear someone uh, today and you're like, I don't even do social media, this won't have any application to me, uh, it really will. Uh, the truth is that the gospel and how we behave and treat one another exist in all contexts. I just want to tailor this a little bit to social media because that's where a lot of problems are happening for Christians today. Uh, Blake pointed out, there's some people that think of uh, social media as their personal journal or diary, where they just go write down their thoughts and then send it out like you're putting a message in a bottle. Uh, and it, that's not really what social media is. And when you think that way, you can sometimes think, well, I'm entitled to put my opinion out there however I want, whenever I want, and, and it's just my opinion, because that's how you would feel about a journal. There's some people who think uh, that it's like a letter or an email to certain people, but it's not like a letter or an email unless you like send it out to a newspaper to share an open letter to everyone. That would be more similar. Um, it's not like a private conversation where you and your friends are just sitting around and the two or three people that you know agree with you are sitting there in the room with you. Uh, social media, and, and this was Blake's point, and I thought it was well made, is more like a dinner party with every single person that you're friends with is, is in the room. And then what you post on social media is like yelling that thing out at the dinner party with everyone that you're friends with on the internet. And that becomes a very different way of thinking things because there's things that you would put in a journal and there's things that you might say in a private conversation with your friends that you wouldn't yell out loud at a dinner party of everyone that you know. Because you might say something uh, that would be offensive to several people in the room, but you're not thinking about them when you write it. But if you're in the dinner party with them and you know they're in the room, you know that you're not supposed to yell that when they're around, right? And so when we start to put social media in the right context, we can start thinking about it differently. And it helps because then once you think about uh, that, you might think, does Jesus have anything to say about how we behave on social media? And you might say, I don't think he had Twitter back then. 
Um, he would have thought it had something to do with birds. Um, maybe he would have. Uh, but Jesus did have teachings about how we should interact with people in the world. And social media is just a new way of doing that. It's just like a dinner party with all the people you know in the room. And so Jesus certainly has a lot of times that he talks about how to behave at dinner parties and how to treat humans in the world. And you need to be aware that, that at the dinner party, you need to ask yourself, who is the person here who is the least like me? And who is the person here who disagrees with me the most? And would I say this to their face? And if the answer is no, don't send it to their Facebook you know, wall. Okay, so that's kind of how we need to be thinking about how to interact with this way, uh, in this new way, as Christians. But with that being said, I, I want to offer you today 10 rules for engaging in social media for Christians that are all from the Sermon on the Mount. That are all from the Sermon on the Mount. So the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' longest recorded sermon that we have. It's three chapters long in Matthew 5 through 7. And there is so much richness in the Sermon on the Mount for all forms of human life and interaction about how we should think about morality and how we should think about our heart and our actions how we should think about our minds and what we put into them and our mouths and what we let out of them. And, and the Sermon on the Mount offers so much in all of these different ways. And it even has a lot, I think, to offer us when we think about how we interact with people on the internet today. And so the first rule that I would offer you, and I'll, we'll just kind of go through the list real quick of the 10 rules, and then we'll get into each one. Uh, the first one is this, is be an image of Jesus. Indeed. Is that true on just the internet? Absolutely not. Everywhere you go, everything you do, everything you write, everything you say should be a representation of Jesus to people. You must remember that you are blessed when people persecute you. This is hard for us today. We want our rights. I have a right to my sense of, of self and whatever, and you can't tell me that I'm wrong or anything else. But yet Jesus says, no, it's okay. Blessed are you when you're persecuted because of your faith. Don't be cruel to others. Uh, I, resolving conflict in person is greater and of greater significance to God than the sacrifice you bring him on the altar. Resolving conflict is more important than your worship. Do not lust. There's a good internet rule. Uh, let's go to the next five. What do we got here? Do not promote lies or untruths. Be a person of deep integrity. Everywhere you go and in everything you do. Um, we've also see, do not give a false image of yourself online. That one's pretty easy to do. Pretty easy. A lot of happy people online, not a lot of people going through tough times. Uh, do not absorb the anxieties of the internet as your own. Leave them. You don't, your life is better off without them. Pursue spiritually healthy resolutions, uh, resolutions to conflict, I mean. Don't repost people who bear bad fruit. And I'm going to move quickly through some of these because I'm excited to talk about that one, okay? 
So the first thing we're going to talk about is this, and it's pretty simple. Be an image of Jesus. And as I mentioned, all of these come from texts that are within the Sermon on the Mount. Some of them uh, really clearly match up, and some of them you kind of go, that's a different way of thinking about that. But I think they all resonate with the world that we're living in today. And so this first one is simple. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and give glory to your Father in heaven. There is greater opportunity and potential for the people of God to stand up and be seen in the world today because of the Internet than there has ever been in human history. There has never been such an opportunity for the church to say, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine all over the world. And yet, it is in fact the interactions of so many Christians on the internet that gives people reason to doubt. The way that you portray Jesus, if you've got on your, your social media profile that you are a Christian, would anyone know that from reading your profile if they didn't see that on the About You page? Would you be a representation of Jesus to the world if someone just went through your social media presence? Are you an image of Jesus? We, as Christians, in everything we do and everything we need to say, make sh need to make sure that we're asking the question, if I'm the only gospel that some people read, Will they have a high view of Jesus, and will they come to give glory to my Father? And if the answer is no, then we need to stop doing things that are getting in the way of that and start doing things that could advance that, yes. even online. The second rule, you are blessed when people persecute you. And we're going to look at this from three different angles. The first one is this, and this is from Matthew 5, verse 11. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We, we get in this mindset where if someone's mean to us, we think that that should trigger a response that we should be mean back to them. That, that if someone hurts my feelings or says something bad about me, then I need to say something bad back to them. Jesus said, no, don't do that. Do you know how often people criticize Jesus? And he, and, and he didn't come out and say, you shouldn't say that about me. I'm the son of God. I'm a good guy. I've never done anything wrong. He just loved them back and was gracious in the face of all kinds of persecutions. And he gives us this example that we don't have to get... Uh, all in our sense of, I've been wronged. Instead, we can just say, boy, if they're mad at me because of the faith that I've got, I'm in pretty good company. Instead of going to the next scripture, which is, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. This is a hard teaching. 
This is a hard teaching. Do not get revenge. But what if, what if, what if I, I deserve revenge? What if they're really, really wrong and I'm really, really right? Can't I just get, get a little bit of revenge? Can't I just give them back a little bit of what they gave for me? Just an eye for an eye. Just a tooth for a tooth. Just, just one tweet for a tweet. I've got to defend myself. I need revenge. One of my favorite definitions of forgiveness is giving up our justified claim to have a right to revenge on someone who's wronged us. And we give it away. Why do we give it away? Because Jesus did it first. And then he said, if you're going to be one of my followers, you're going to have to get good at giving forgiveness and not getting revenge. And so none of this, but they started it stuff. Yeah, if they started it, you are a follower of Jesus Christ. And so this, we need to go back to our five-year-old wisdom our moms gave us, right? But they started it. But you're older than them. You know better. Don't, don't get into this with them. And so Jesus says, listen, your God is the creator of the universe. Your Savior died on a cross to save you from your sins, and you can't get over, but they started it? We've got to give up our right for revenge, even when it is justified. And if that's not a hard enough teaching, Jesus tells us, uh, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So all the time that you spend reading people online that make you super, super angry, and you just want to get on and tell them how wrong they are and how bad they are and how mean they are and all the junk that needs to be said about them, uh, what you need to do instead is to think about them and say, I love them because God loves them. And I'm praying for them because God wants a good outcome for them. And you don't have to pray that God prove them wrong and shove it in their face. That's not what he means by pray for them. He means to pray for their good, to pray for their advancement in their own life, that their life could be improved as a result of your prayer, that they could become more of the person that God desires for them to be. Here we are, rule number three, don't be cruel to others. It's, it's unfortunate that the rule has to be made, right? Right? Jesus says, listen, you've heard that it was said to people long ago, don't murder. Anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, don't be angry or call people a fool. Don't, don't call names. And it has to be said then, and it has to be said now, because our tendency is to look down on people and to be disgusted about them and the things they do and then say mean things about them. And so here you go. If you're about to post something on the internet, read it and ask yourself, is this mean? And if it is, don't post it. Don't post it. Don't ask yourself, is this mean to people I don't like? Because I'm okay with that. That's not the question. Is it mean? If the answer is yes, don't post it. I was in marriage counseling once. And I was working with this couple, and I said, listen, you have to say like five nice things to your spouse for every one mean thing you say. Ten. Ten. That's why you're still married. <laughs> he said, that's a lot. He's not still married. Okay? Don't be mean. This was news to him. 
that saying mean things to his family would have a negative result on the relationship. If that's news to you, quit it. Jesus doesn't want you to be mean to others, not even in his name. Especially not in his name. You cannot be a jerk for Jesus and claim to be in his image and act like you're doing him a favor. Don't do that. Don't be mean and cruel to others. The fourth one is this. Resolving conflict is more important than giving your gift at the altar. So if you're offering your gift at the altar and remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. And that's, that's key. We don't do gifts at the altar. The, the equivalent for us today as Christians would be if you're in the midst of worshiping God and realize that you have a conflict with your brother or sister, something against them, and later he goes on to say, or if they're bringing a lawsuit against you. It's a way of saying, if you've got a, a good claim against them, or if they've got a good claim against you, either one of those are true. It doesn't matter who started it. Leave your worship to God and go fix it. Sort it out. Deal with your problems. Bill's had some incredible sermons on this that looked at how this is key in, in communion, and Paul connects this with the Lord's Supper in, in his letter to Corinth. He says, listen, if you're eating the bread and drinking the juice, and, and you've got a bad relationship with one of your brothers and sisters, you're drinking damnation and judgment on your head. So don't do that. Go sort it out. Because your relationship matters more than religious ritual. It's more important to God. And so one of the things that, that you need to know is that if you're arguing with someone on the internet or anywhere else and you go to church on Sunday, one of the things you need to do is sort out your relationship with your brother or sister in Christ. And then bring your gift to the altar. Now, if they're not going to work it out with you, does that mean you can't come to church until they forgive you? No. But does it mean that you do your stuff to the best of your ability to make the relationship as good as you can? That if God says, if you've done everything you can to make that relationship better, that you can with a clean conscience say, you see my heart and you know that I have. That's making sure that our priorities match God's priorities. Number five, Jesus says, you've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Later in the Sermon on the Mount, he says this, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? If you'll read James, James talks a lot about whatever you put into your heart comes out your mouth. When you read Matthew over and over again, what Matthew talks about is if you have clean eyes, you're going to have a clean heart. But if you've got dark eyes, there's just going to be darkness inside of you. 
that the eye is the way that, that so many things enter the mind and the body. And, and this idea in Scripture with lust is if you are with your eyes or your imagination taking possession of the body of someone else that does not belong to you, then you've committed adultery. You're seeking to take something that's not yours and to possess it in a way that, that feels good to you and is satisfying to you and that satisfies the, the longings of the flesh. But God doesn't want us to do things that way. If it's not yours, don't try to claim it as yours. Don't try to possess it as yours, not even in your mind. So don't lust. If you're using social media to scroll through pictures that you should not be looking at to take possession of what you see that is not yours, stop it. And it's not just social media. If you're using the internet to lust, Jesus says that is against God's will. It is not what he desires for your eyes, and if you fill your eyes with that, it will corrupt your heart. So take some of that Joseph advice. Joseph is trying to be seduced in the book of Genesis, and then she grabs his coat. You know what he did? Ran. When you find yourself lusting after someone that's not yours, even if they're the one pursuing you, get out of there, turn that screen off, change your location, move. Get out of there. Do not lust. Number six, do not promote lies or untruths. Do not promote lies or untruths. All right, this one is really tough today. And here's why this is tough, is that at some point in the last year, uh, we have all gotten into some kind of uh, it's an argument with someone where we have said to someone who we disagree with, I can't believe that you think that way. I can't believe that you act that way. I can't believe that you believe that. Your thoughts and your actions seem completely irrational to me. Has anyone thought that in the last two years about someone? Yeah. Let's do hands. Any, anyone, anyone thought that in the last two years about someone? I don't understand how you think the things you think or do the things you do. You're nuts to me. You're crazy. What's fun is that they think that about you, too. That's the good part about the world we live in is we all think that about each other. So here's the thing. We live in a world where we have so many different sources of information, and you have to choose which branch you trust. And, and Ryan Russell and I talk about this all the time when we're talking about ministry and church and how frustrating it can be in leadership in the world that we live in. And, and he one time was asking me, like, I, I don't know, you know, it says this. I don't understand how people can do the things they're doing and think the things they're thinking. And I said, yeah, but if you believe the sources of information they do, you would think doing anything else was immoral. Now, am I going to tell you which sources are right and which ones are wrong? Nope, because half of you would hate me after today, so we're not doing that. <laughs> but here's what you need to do, is that when you're posting stuff on the internet, you need to be a person of deep integrity. Jesus talks about how let someone know that your yes is yes and your no is no, and there's some of us that are, are pushing just blatant non-truths on the internet. 
I'm not saying that you have to be able to fully research your sources and know what's truth and what isn't. That, the world that we live in is too complicated and messy for me to sort that out in a sermon for sure, but for us to work that out in a way that we would all agree on. But here's, here's what I want to offer. A couple of things. One is that Scripture is true and that Scripture is good and that it should be your first source. And that if we as a body of people who all kind of go to different places to get the right news can agree that Scripture is more true and more important than our sources of the daily news, then that's going to hold us together when the world tries to split us up, right? That's going to unite us if we can just agree. Uh, listen, at the end of this whole story that we're living, with all the editors that are writing it, at the end of this story, what we know is that Jesus wins and we're going to be on His team together, right? And that's got to hold us together, is that, that Scripture has to have the priority of source in our lives and in our worlds and in our minds. And the other stuff can't divide us or we're going to be in a lot of trouble. The second thing is this. If you ever read something and think to yourself, I can't believe that. That's, un that's completely unbelievable to me. You have two choices at that point. One is to trust your instincts to not believe that. To think to yourself, that's completely unbelievable. And if you trust that instinct, what you should do is at least ask Google once, hey, is this true? And if you don't know how to do it, you just copy and paste the thing that you don't believe, drop it into Google, and, and look for the word hoax attached to it right away. Uh, sometimes someone says it, and, and the, it's taken way out of context. Run a basic Google search. And you don't have to like go down the rabbit hole. Just read the first page of stuff, and then decide if you think it's true or not. Because your other choice is this, when you think that is completely unbelievable, I can't even believe that true, there's so much of us whose first thought is, I've got to tell everybody I know so they can be shocked also. Just run a little check to see if it's true or not. You think it's not, check. Be people whose yes means yes and no means no and retweet seems believable and don't have to be someone who all the time is going, sorry about that. That wasn't as true as I thought it was. Because your instinct to share the shocking thing that's not true, 10 other people you just gave it to had the first instinct, and now it's gone out to 100 people when all you need to do is ask Google real quick if it was a lie or not. Just a little bit of che checking on the truthiness of the stuff, okay? So that you can be a person of deep integrity. Just a, just a little Google check out. Not a long one. I don't want you to go to the whole Wikipedia page. Just the first five titles. Okay. Don't be lazy with the truth. Don't be lazy with the truth. The next one is this. Don't portray a false image uh, to look good to others. And, and, and here's how Jesus talks about this when he's talking to... He talks so much about the Pharisees when he gets to these texts and when he gets to these teachings... Uh, and so he says things like this, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. In the next one, he talks not about giving, but prayer. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues so that everyone thinks they're awesome. And then he goes in and says, hey, listen, when you're fasting, 
Don't walk around going, boy, am I hungry. Why are you hungry? I'm fasting like the holy ones do. You know how we are. Oh, you don't know? We're pretty great. Don't do that. What does that look like on social media? What that looks like on social media is when you're just bragging all the time about the great life you have, while in reality you're struggling. Now, if, if you're happy, can you celebrate with your friends? Yeah. If your lost coin is found, do you throw a party with your neighbors? Yes. But if you're going through some tough times, do you get on there and fake it so that people think you're awesome? No, don't do that. If you're sad, can you get on social media and share that you're sad with people? Sure. You can, can go reach out to your community when you need someone to come alongside you and, and be with you. Do that. But be a person of integrity in your portrayal of yourself. Don't try to put an image, a false image, out in the world so that people will think one thing about you that's not true. Be, have integrity with your presentation of yourself in your life. Celebrate, grieve, mourn, laugh, but do it genuinely whether it's in person or online. Don't absorb the anxieties of the internet as your own. Uh, most of what I've talked about here, if you do it, it'll help other people feel better about you. This one, if you do it, it's gonna help you feel better about others, okay? Do not absorb the internet uh, anxieties as your own. Uh, We've talked several times in the office, Nathan pointed this out maybe a year ago, and I've thought about it so many different times. Uh, as humans, we were only wired to carry a certain amount of drama and anxiety and fear. Uh, and no, whew, no whole light show, light show going on here. Um, we were biologically programmed to be able to handle a certain amount of anxiety and fear. So that, you know, maybe you've got 100 people in your sphere of influence uh, in your connection that you're connected to, and a certain number of them are suffering, and a certain number of them are having a great thing going on in their life at any given moment, and you get all of that. But we live in a world where we are, through social media, connected to thousands of people, which means that statistically, you're getting way more drama, anxiety, fear, rage, uh, celebration, joy, I mean, all of it, all the range of emotions are out there, and you're getting all of those inputs, and you don't get to rest ever. You don't ever get to calm down ever. And what we know from, from just studying how humans' brains work is that the more often your anxiety and your anger are triggered, the quicker your trigger gets. So what that means is if you're getting on the internet every day and, and the algorithms has figured out that if they feed you stuff that makes you angry, you're going to keep going down that river, keep going down that, that, that wall, whatever. Uh, is if you're going to do that, they're going to feed you more stuff that makes you angry. And the more often you get angry, the easier it is for you to get angry and stay angry and you forget how to come down off of it. And you're just mad all the time. The same thing works with worry. You can get on the internet and you can read things that worry you, and if that makes you click on it and go down that rabbit hole, the internet's going, ooh, we make more money and sell him more ads when he's worried. Feed him worry. Feed him worry. And if I keep consuming it, the ability for me to withdraw from worry and anxiety is reduced. It's harder for me to stay away from it. And so when you find yourself going, it's all bad news all the time, get out of there. Stop going down those rabbit holes that are feeding you anger and anxiety. 
You can become overwhelmed by it, and you lose your ability to withdraw from those emotions and find peace and to find comfort and to find connection with other people, which is what life is really more about in the real world, connecting with people. Find some emotional distance from the Internet when you get consumed by that. I'm not going to talk about this one very long because I talked about it for a long time last week. But Jesus gives these instructions for how to have healthy confrontation and confront people when they do have a problem. Uh, you could listen to everything I'm saying and, and think, boy, he just, you just have to be nice on the Internet all the time. You can't confront someone when they do something wrong. I, I'm not saying that. There are times when people say things on the Internet or in real life or at a dinner party that someone should say, hey, I need to talk to you about a problem you've got in your thinking or a problem you've got in your actions. We need to talk about this because you're my brother or sister in Christ and I care about you. I want you to be in a good place. But the way to do it is not by publicly yelling, not uh on social media. That's not how you would do it at a dinner party. And so this becomes a really helpful way to think about it. If someone at a dinner party said something really inappropriate, you might choose in that moment, to, for the sake of everyone in the room knowing, that's not okay to say that, and I'm not okay with that. But more likely, the more healthy way to work through that is to go to them one-on-one -on -one and say, hey, I need to talk to you about that. I think there's a better way to think about it or talk about it. One-on-one. -on -one. Jesus says, if that doesn't work, you get another brother or sister and go to them two-on-one. Start slowly escalating the conflict with the goal of getting them in a right place with God. Not with the goal of you feeling good about yourself and bad about them and trying to shame them. That's not the purpose. If you want more about how to confront people biblically and, and, and with this Jesus model, go back and listen to last week's sermon because I got into it. And if I keep talking, it's going to be two sermons long today and no one wants that. And I want to get to this point too. Don't repost people who bear bad fruit. Don't repost people who bear bad fruit. Uh, the New Testament tells us that if you have the Spirit living within you, that it begins to produce the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But there's other fruits, too, that come from not being in Christ. Anger, anxiety, maliciousness, violence, insults, demeaning others, anxiety, fear, brashness, and a loss of self-control. When you, there are people on the internet who make tons and tons of money by making you angry and anxious and mean. They realize that if they feed those fires in your heart, that they can profit off of it financially and in terms of fame. And they will do that. And when you repost these people who are increasing anger and hatred in the world, you are, are fueling their bad fruit. But if you have the Spirit of Christ in you, love, peace, patience. And if you're reading someone and you think, man, they're just making everyone angry all the time, but they're so right what does Jesus say here? Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing. They look good. They sound good. They think like me. They talk like me. But inwardly, they are ferocious wolves. 
By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Here's what this looks like on Facebook. Go to the comments section. Is it light or is it darkness? If there are people who are profiting and getting their message out by bringing darkness, anger, rage, and hatred into any space, do not promote what they're selling. Do not promote what they are claiming. Look for voices that, that you agree with that bring light, love, peace, joy into the world and promote those voices. Those voices that, that bring hope. This is the Jesus way of, of, of chasing truth. I think it was Jackie Bray several years ago said, you know, we live in a world where you so often have to choose between being right and being kind. In the best of worlds, choose both. But if you have to choose between one and the other, it seems like the world would be a much better place if more people chose kindness sometimes. That stuck with me. There's a deep wisdom in that. We need to make sure that as we are sharing even the views of others, and you say, listen, I didn't write it, I just shared it. If it's bringing bad fruit into the world, just delete it. Because the world's got enough bad fruit in it without us promoting it to the people that we care about the most. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Jesus ends the Sermon on the Mount with these words, he says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine can, and puts them into practice, and puts them into practice. It's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. What's the rock? It's not just faith in Jesus. It's believing and then putting his instructions into practice. That's the foundation, if you build your house on it, is going to get you through life's storms. When we were doing our vision dinners last summer, one of the things that came out of those was that, that there was so much conflict brewing among some of our members in small ways and in bigger ways uh, on social media, and that it needed to be addressed because it was causing some cancer in relationships and spiritual uh, formation and other things for some of our people. We went to the, the deacons, the elders and ministers went to the deacons and said, listen, we want to challenge you guys, uh, if, if you are willing to, to create a covenant between the leaders of this church, a covenant that says we will uh, treat one another according to Scripture and according to being brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, like we're really brothers and sisters in Christ on the Internet, that we will seek to be an image of Jesus on the Internet. Uh, the deacons spent several months really working on this and coming together with a really good document that is scripturally based in how we treat one another on the internet. Uh, and so we call it our online kindness covenant, a covenant that the leaders of this church have made with one another, and they've all signed it, uh, and they've all prayed about it, and they've all committed that if you're going to be a leader at this church, you're going to behave like a Christian on the internet. Now, we're not going to require everyone to do it, 
And you're not invited to hold us accountable unless you're in the covenant, which you can do. We've got copies of it. We've got like 50 copies of it out here on the, the welcome table. If you want to take one and consider this, if it's something you want to do, uh, take one. Read over it. Know what your leaders are committing to do as your shepherds and your servants and your ministers at this church and in the world. Our hope is that it's something that might interest you too. There's not a sign-up sheet for you to join in today because one of the things it asks is that you spend at least 24 hours reading over and prayerfully considering whether or not you would be interested in joining us in this covenant. Next week, if you've prayed about it and you're interested, uh, you can come sign up to be part of this covenant. And the way covenants work is according to Jesus' ways. People who are in it invite each other to hold one another accountable according to the things that you've committed to. So that if something comes up, we can go to them face to face the way Jesus tells them to and say, hey, I think there's an opportunity for you to grow here. And we hold each other accountable and we learn and we step forward as a church together, uh, becoming a light to the world, salt to the earth, making sure that our salt doesn't lose its saltiness because of the things we post and the things we tweet. That we become an example to the world of how we can treat each other in physical spaces and in digital spaces. In hopes that, that someday some people might give glory to our Father as a result of what they see in us in person and online. And if you're not interested in it, that's okay. Maybe you feel like you don't need it. Maybe it's just not for you. Maybe you don't like it. It's fine. We're not going to have a, a naughty list, okay? That's not how this is. This is invitation and not instruction. It's an opportunity, not an obligation. And I hope you receive it as that. And Jesus gives this whole sermon and all of these teachings on what the kingdom is going to look like, and there's, it's, it's full of very, very difficult teachings. And we need covenant people to hold us accountable because the standards of Jesus are exceedingly high. And it's not, those, it's not meeting those expectations that gets us saved. It's because we are saved by grace, because he's washed our sins away, that we desire to exceed the expectations. And if you've, if you've never become a Christian, here's what you need to know. It's not about your behavior. You can't be good enough to be saved. You can't, not even online. If you're a perfect saint on the internet, that will not get you to heaven. What gets you to heaven is the fact that you have a Savior who left heaven and came down and lived here so that he could die on the cross and take you back to be there. That he could save you from your sins so that you might live with him for eternity. If you've never responded to that invitation and you want to today, 